70 minutes. That's all it was. The preliminary injunction hearing. State of Tennessee and Virginia against the NCAA. 70 minutes. Is that good, bad, or not a whole big deal? All that and more here on a Wednesday Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I'm Eric Kane, your host of Locked on Balls. Can't thank you enough for being here and subscribing for free, downloading us for free wherever you get your podcast, and of course on the YouTube channel by searching Lockdown Balls. Today's episode brought to you in part by our friends over at Game Time. Make every moment more. That's FanDuel, but also Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Big shout out to Game Time. So reaction from Tennessee's day in court here in segment number one. Now or never in terms of Tennessee athletes, they better get things in gear this spring practice in segment number two. And Josh Ward, Ward Wednesday, Coming up in segment number three. All right, so 70 minutes is all that it took. 70 minutes for the state of Tennessee uh, and Virginia going up against NCAA, a preliminary injunction hearing in the state of Tennessee, Greenville's uh, East Tennessee's District Court. And 70 minutes is all that it took. Started about 9 o'clock in the morning, was over with about 10, 10, 10, 15 um, in the morning. And in short order, the judge will make a ruling. Now, the fact that it was so short, there were no witnesses called or anything like that. That's why that it was so short. Is that a good thing, a bad thing for the University of Tennessee in the grand scheme of things? Every report that I've heard of, and my, my colleagues, my boss, Brent Hubbs, my colleague Austin Price were there. They were covering it. Um, Adam Sparks of Knox News was, was in-house. He was covering that. And there's been some other local media here and around East Tennessee. Not a whole lot of national media. I do believe Trey Wallace was there from OutKick. Um, but... You know, a lot, a lot of local media was was there inside the courtroom and heard all 70 minutes of it. So from taking some reports from those guys and gals and trying to make sense of it, uh, kind of what we're going to talk about here in segment number one. So essentially, no ruling on Tuesday. The judge said that he will have a ruling in short order, and that could come today, could come tomorrow, could come in a matter of weeks, maybe even a month. But in the grand scheme of things, from everybody that I've talked to on a Tuesday – still feels like the University of Tennessee is going to be in good shape. That it might, even if it loses this battle, the injunction hearing that took place on Tuesday, it's going to come out on top in the in the war overall because, of course, this will go into you know court and it will completely play out in you know, the months and years to come. But what you're fighting for here, the state of Tennessee and Virginia, is to essentially take name, image, and likeness restrictions away from recruiting. And if you win this injunction case, then the university, the, the, the NCAA can't really come back, you would think, can't really come back and punish member institutions for breaking said rules that are no longer in place right now. So that's kind of what you're fighting for right now. And um, we'll see what happens. But even if it's, I've heard this kind of like a coin flip, it's 50-50 on if the state of Tennessee and Virginia will win this injunction case on Tuesday but even if you lose, the NCAA's got to make a decision. The NCAA could full court press go on with its investigation at the University of Tennessee and the other 20 schools that it's looking into right now. Or it could take a moment, regroup, and say, all right, again, we won this battle, but is it really worth going to several other injunction hearings for all the other states and all the other attorney generals that will likely file a TRO or whatever the case may be 
and then of course see how this all plays out because it's worth noting in the TRO case that was denied last week uh, you know the the judge that heard this case Judge Corker even said hey uh, you know the, the the it looks like you know allowing a, a, a non TRO is is violating antitrust laws and you know in, in the grand scheme of things that's a no-no it's illegal so regardless on if this is won or lost whenever the ruling comes out it feels like you know Tennessee is going to be in okay shape at least that's kind of kind of my interpretation uh disclaimer all you guys know this clearly I'm not a lawyer <laughs> clearly I'm a sports media journalist a sports media personality um I'm a talking head and I am learning and I'm trying to get educated as we move along this thing just like all of my colleagues are as well so it's kind of a process a couple of things that I bookmarked on social media that I thought were interesting and I wanted to bring to the show this is from Trey Wallace he tweeted out uh, shortly after the hearing the NCAA tried to hammer home a few issues with speaking on name, image, and likeness with athletes, but really got confused when speaking on what constitutes NIL broken rules before or after a deal. That was a constant thing that I heard again from Austin Price and from Brent Hubbs and other people who were in-house. It was almost like the judge was pressing the NCAA lawyers and saying, well, what do you mean in terms of is this a rule? This kind of came from your manual, all this type of stuff. And then the NCAA lawyers kind of fumbled in its response and and were kind of talking in circles, essentially being a big win for the prosecutioner. Um, one of the points the attorney generals made today in closing was regarding NIL rights of players centered around the NCAA basketball tournament. This is in the closing remarks. Uh, from the uh, the Attorney Generals of Tennessee and Virginia, I thought this was really good, said it would be like the NCAA picking a television network without knowing how much money the deal was for. That's saying it'd be like college athletes. The NCAA says that prospective student-athletes can come in and they can talk to collectives. They can talk about the potential of making money, but they can't talk money specifics. So, you know, that that's that's illegal. Although, you know, that can't go hand in hand. It's impossible, right? But the attorney generals made the case that they'd be like the NCAA picking television network rights for the March Madness tournament without knowing how much money the deal was worth. I thought that was a a really really good a good good um, good reference to pull out in court. From Adam Sparks said, by the way, Carson Beck's Lamborghini and Brock Purdy's salary were referenced in federal court today. I thought that was interesting. Um, let's see here. Also from Adam Sparks on his Twitter, at Adam Sparks, Knox News. Judge, judge asked NCAA attorney to distinguish between recruits. This goes on to what I was saying. Recruits negotiating NIL offers, which is not allowed by the NCAA, and recruits engaging in conversations with collectives about NIL value, which is allowed by the NCAA. The NCAA attorney struggled to explain the difference because, again, there is no difference whatsoever. What am I what? What in the world are the conversations like that, to make those two things different? Um, in terms of engaging in conversations with collectors, which is allowed, but distinguishing negotiating NIL offers, which is not allowed. So a couple of things I wanted to highlight there. Uh, Tennessee's Attorney General John Scametti, he you know answered questions from local media outside the courthouse and um, put out a statement. One of the things were all said and done on Tuesday said, quote, it's a wonderful day to fight on behalf of our student-athletes in Tennessee. They are the backbone of college sports. Due to the NCAA's arbitrary and illegal rules, student-athletes are being harmed and prevented from making important decisions concerning their name, image, and likeness rights. 
which may have a big impact on their academic and financial futures. Meanwhile, everybody else involved in college sports is getting rich at those student-athletes' expense. That is not legal, that is not right, and it needs to change. Antitrust law in the area is clear, and as the court has previously said, our case is likely to succeed on the merits. We are happy with the case's progression and look forward to uh, litigating it further if necessary. Again, that was the same from Tennessee's Attorney General Jonathan Scrimetti. Um, yeah, so again, a lot of this is, again, when they got denied of the TRO, the judge said, hey, this, this, this probably violates antitrust laws. And so even if the battle here is lost, I think the war can be won. So again, uh, this is kind of what it all goes down. We will see what happens um, whenever this uh, negotiate or whenever the ruling comes out from the judge. If Tennessee, if the state of Tennessee and Virginia were to lose this prelim- preliminary um, you know, lawsuit, then we'll see what the NCAA does. Maybe the NCAA will sit here and say, "All right, we'll take this victory, but we're not going to continue to press on with these universities because we don't have the time or the resources to do this." So I'm going to dance twenty more times, which is what it'll come to. And in the end, when the case is finally truly heard. You're going to lose. Or you could go full court press and continue to try to bring down the hammer on the University of Tennessee and other other universities. If that were to be the case and Tennessee were uh, to be under that spotlight again, the university, the university would file a separate lawsuit. Spire Sports would file a separate lawsuit. We know about the uh, we know about William Burke, who you know represented uh, Robert Kraft, who's represented, you know, put Martha Stewart in jail. He's been retained on the university side. Tom Mars. <clears throat> excuse me, has been retained for Spire Sports Group, and, and we know of his pedigree. We talked about it here on the show. Things will get heated for sure if the NCAA continues to, to stomp around Tennessee's campus. Um, so we'll see exactly what happens. Plus, what happens? Still no notice of allegations. If, if the ruling goes away from the state of Tennessee and the attorney generals and to the NCAA's favor, Will the NCAA then send a notice of allegations? And again, that same thing would happen. Tennessee would lawyer up, which already has. Spire Sports would lawyer up, which already has. And other separate file, you know, lawsuits would be filed. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, overall, I think that it was, you know, brief. <laughs> I think that uh, uh, looked like the NCAA lawyers really kind of backed themselves in a corner and talked in circles all the times because they they clearly couldn't distinguish the difference between negotiating NIL or having productive conversations about the potential of NIL. And that came straight from the 437 page manual that it sends out to its member institutions. So that's my big takeaway. We'll continue to cover this and bring you everything we know right here on locked on balls as it happened. Hey, now or never some Tennessee athletes, Tennessee football players, this spring practice better show up or their time may never truly be there for the Tennessee football program. That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, your music, your comedy, your theater events near you. And right now, new uh, new users can, uh, can get $20 off uh, over the Game Time app by putting in the promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. That's Locked On promo code for $20 off your first purchase when you are maybe a procrastinator like me. Uh, not only for, again, sports, but it's music, comedy, theater, all those events of entertainment in your area. And when you go to the Game Time app, they're going to give you the killer last-minute deals. Uh, maybe even after an hour after the event has started, you can purchase tickets on the Game Time app. They give you views from your seat, the best price guarantee. Game Time truly takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And they've got the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, 
even job loss protection as well. So uh, what are you waiting on? This is the best place to buy all the tickets for the entertainment in your area and loads of sporting events over on Tennessee's campus, Lindsey Nelson Stadium, Neyland Stadium, and of course, Thompson Bowling Arena at the Food City Center. So terms apply. I encourage you to download the Game Time app. Use the promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. We got more Locked On Vols coming up next right here on a Wednesday. All right, welcome back in here to your Wednesday edition of Locked On Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you as always uh, for being here. We got Ward Wednesday coming up in segment number three, but I do want to dive into a little segment. I'm not going to lie to you. I stole from Locked On Auburn. Uh, Zach Blackerby does a great job in, in his show and I'm always looking to improve my show, so I scanned his YouTube page a little bit, saw some topics he was doing, and one of the topics that he did here recently, I really thought was a good one, and I wanted to bring it here on Lockdown Balls, and it is now or never, meaning Tennessee football players, where it's literally now, you're going to be a contributor, you're going to be a guy, or it's never going to happen. And why this spring practice is huge. This offseason is huge. I'll lump fall camp in there as well, but spring practice is just a little over a month away, and so uh, it's pretty pressing. Now or never, if I were to ask you the number one player that comes to mind on Tennessee's football roster, and, and you're thinking it's either now or never for this guy, it might not be the number one player that I'm thinking of, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steer you in my direction right here. The first one that I thought of was safety Andre Turrentine. Andre Turrentine was a transfer portal addition prior to the 2022 season. He wasn't the biggest transfer portal addition of that cycle. That was Brew McCoy. Um, that was also Gerald Mincy, I believe, and, and so on and so forth during that cycle. But Andre Turrentine was a guy that you know, was an, an in-state prospect, four-star prospect out, out of Innsworth, went to Ohio State, didn't contribute a whole lot at Ohio State as a true freshman where he redshirted, but he was coming off a of spring practice where, like a lot of places around the country, Tennessee included at the time, um, there was a lot of injuries. And so that spring practice, Andre Turrentine played a ton of safety in the star position for Ohio State. And then in that portal window, he came to Tennessee prior to the 2022 season. Uh, primarily a special teams guy, didn't see a whole lot of action, but did play a little bit of defense last year, especially late last year when he started a couple of games. And though pro football focus will disagree, disagree with me in terms of an overall grade, I thought he held his own. I did. Was he fantastic? No. Did he bring a little energy, a little bit more athleticism in the back end? I think so. And so he's going to enter the season as a projected starter. He's going to have to earn it. It's not going to be given to him. But he's a, the veteran in the room. Now, this will be his fourth year in college, and he's got all the tools and athletic ability. He has a leg up. Can he hold off or, you know, can he hold off a group of Jacoby Thomas, the transfer from MTSU, who's played a lot, of John Slaughter, of some of these freshmen coming in that's going to get a shot at safety position? Maybe, uh, maybe even uh, Christian Harrison, who's probably going to shift over from quarterback to safety. You know, we'll see. But John Slaughter, excuse me, not John Slaughter, um, Andre Turrentine was the first name that came to my mind when I thought of this now or never. So on that note, let's say in the defensive backfield, so many of these players that left via the transfer portal this offseason, we could be in consideration for now or never, but they're no longer on the program now. But one guy, and I'm, you know, Jerome McCoy's new, and uh, you know, a couple of these other cornerbacks that came into the program are new and are freshmen, but another guy that's ex that's going to be an expected starter 
that I love the athletic ability. I love the makeup of this young man, but I'm going to put him in this now or never category because dude's got to stay healthy. Dude's got to stay on the field, and that's Jordan Thomas at the star position. I think Jordan Thomas is really good. I do, but he's not ever been able to stay on the field for a long period of time. He's been a backup, don't get me wrong, but even when he was pressed into action in the 2023 season, man, he was banged up and missed a whole lot of time. I like his game. I think that he's got the smarts to play inside the box, but to cover the number two receiver, I think he's got the whereabouts to come in, set the edge against the run, and and, and blitz the quarterback off the edge. I like a lot about Jordan Thomas's game, but he's got to stay healthy. Now or never, stay healthy. Give yourself a chance. So in the secondary, I like Jordan, I like Andre Tarantan and Jordan Thomas in this conversation. Um, let's shift now down to the edge. Let's shift down to the edge. James Pierce is the name that comes to mind. Caleb Herring, a true freshman last year. Everybody's excited about him. Jordan Ross coming in. Everybody's excited about him. Roman Harrison's gone. The guy that we never talk about anymore, Joshua Josephs, um, played a ton as a freshman, more than James Pierce, but took a backseat to James Pierce as a sophomore in 2023. I like a lot about his game. I like his experience factor. He needs to get better against the run. He needs to get better at bulking up and setting the edge and forcing things inside and being more a player in the run. Um, now or never, if jo if uh, Joshua Josephs is going to be a premier player, in my opinion, though he will still always have a backseat to... Um, uh, to, to James Pierce, in my opinion. All right, so those are three on the defensive side. None at, none at linebacker that I'm really concerned about right now. I mean, Elijah Herring, now or never in terms of are you going to get better, um, but I think there's a lot of improvement there for Elijah Herring after pretty much starting as a true sophomore. Arian Carter, Jeremiah T. Land are still too, uh, too young to be in this category, in my opinion. So let's flip to the offensive side, and I think the number one player that was coming to mind for a lot of you guys when I, when I debuted this segment here was Dante Thornton. It is 100% now or never for Dante Thornton. Uh, it was a bust last year but was showing signs of coming around when they got him out of the slot and moved him to the outside. We know about what he did at Kentucky. We know about what he did uh, at Missouri before a season-ending injury. I like Dante Thornton a lot. But, man, that starting job is not going to be handed to him. Why? Because Chris Brazel came in to take his spot. You got Brew McCoy on one side. You got Squirrel White in the slot. And then it's going to be a battle between Dante Thornton, Chris Brazel of Tulane, and then, of course, two names I'll mention here in a moment for that outside spot. Dante Thornton possesses everything you want to possess in an outside wide receiver in this offense. It is literally now or never for Dante Thornton. A huge spring is upcoming for him, and I still don't want to give up on him. He still, again, possesses everything you want in an NFL outside wide receiver. But, man, he was a, he was a bust in the slot last year. Will he beat out Chris Brazel the second out of Tulane via the transfer portal? We will see. Uh, those other two names I mentioned, and they're kind of taking the back seat, although they played a ton as true sophomore, as redshirt freshmen this past football season, but they will always take the back seat to the likes of Chris Brazel, who's who's the new flashy transfer portal edition, to Dante Thornton, who was the big flashy transfer portal edition last offseason, and that is Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod. I liked a lot of what I saw from Chaz Nimrod. I did. I did. But point being, they played a ton, and the stats aren't really overwhelming. And a lot of that, you know, contributes to it, quarterback play and, and so forth and so and whatnot. I get all that. But it is now or never, in my opinion, if you are going to be 
a starting contributing factor for the next couple of years for this team. It's now or never. Chaz and Emrod and Caleb Webb, I think, are in this conversation. Two more. Let's go to the offensive line quickly. John Campbell. John Campbell is going to be a starter for this football team. He's going to play right tackle. But John Campbell, it is now or never. Are you going to be elite? Are you going to be one of the best offensive linemen in the Southeastern Conference? Or are you going to be okay and miss four or five games of the season, you know, instead of being out there on the field? Injury concerns, sure, durability concerns. At times, I'll be honest with you, it's want to. All right, it's now or never. Prove your worth. You've been in college for seven years. Um, I think that John Campbell possesses everything you want uh, in an offensive lineman in the system. Uh, whereabouts, experience, uh, nastiness to him, strength. Um, John Campbell, going to be a starter, but it's now or never if you're going to be a guy. You know what I'm saying? I want to see that. And then, and then Andre Curry coming over from Texas prior to last football season uh, was essentially handed a starting position. Didn't go too well. Of course, he ran into injuries as well. Um, it's now or never if you're going to be a starter on this football team because the left guard position is open. And also, are you going to be a lasting starter on this football game team? If you get that starting position, are you going to hold off the rest of the pack? Uh, we will see. It's going to be a huge offseason. It's a huge spring practice for Andre Keurig. So now or never, I gave you a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven names. A couple on offense, a couple on defense. Now or never, who is that player that it's either now or never for Tennessee football when spring practice gets going here next month? I want to hear from you at Lockdown Vols and at underscore Kaner. Hey, more to come. We'll have Award Wednesday when we return right here on Lockdown Balls. Get buckets with your first bet over at FanDuel. It's America's number one sports bug. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That is $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live game, same game parlays, exclusive props, and a whole lot more. We love the totals and we love the overs. Here on Lockdown Vols, it's just a fun way to be engaged in the contest. Have something to root for. Root for points, you know, whether it's basketball, football. I know there's no football until college football uh, coming around next, um, you know, next preseason and, and college football in, in the month of September. But tons of basketball. We have baseball coming up here in a little bit. You can bet on that run line. But we love the over because that makes sports exciting. Plus, it gives you a rooting interest, and you can put some coin in your pocket. All that and more. It's over at FanDuel.com slash locked on. It's where you can shoot your shot. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, it's official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Ward Wednesday coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. As we do every single Wednesday, we end our show with Josh Ward. Ward Wednesday, Josh is a co-host of Josh and Swain on 991 The Sports Animal. Josh, a lot going on right now for Tennessee, even outside of the courtroom, away from the NCAA investigation. Want to ask about Jerry Mack heading to the NFL to the Jacksonville Jaguars. How big of a loss is this for Josh Heupel and the Tennessee coaching staff? I think two things can be true here and are. It's a loss in that he is a very good coach. He's very much respected with what he's able to do coaching running backs and as a voice in the offensive staff room. And uh, he did a really good job over the last three years. Look at the development of somebody like Jalen Wright, who went from a guy that looked like he was going to be a nice college player to now being a valued running back preparing for the NFL draft. So Jerry Mack did a really good job with the group of running backs. Jabari Small was productive for Tennessee. Dylan Sampson looks like somebody that has developed. And now they need to develop a new group of guys. Sampson is coming back, but there's a lot of experience, uh, inexperience, excuse me, behind Samson so 
replacing Mac is important because the next coach is going to need to be able to do that. I would also say if we're ranking assistant coach positions, that running back coach is probably going to be a position you're more likely to fill successfully with their ability to coach those guys. So it's an important position to fill. I also think knowing Josh Heupel as the offensive coach and his ability to target guys that should fit what he wants, he'll be able to do that. But it's something that needs to be done. What's to say about Josh Heupel working for Josh Heupel? I mean, this is only the third move in three years. There's been four positional, you know, movements, but you know, one of those was Joey Halsey getting a promotion. He was already on staff, but you had Cody Burns who left. You had Alex Golish who left. And now you've got Jerry Mack who is leaving. It feels like, um, you know, everybody that's been here likes working for Josh Hoppel, likes the environment, and likes the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. It does seem that way. Um, I think that we have to expect coaching movement every offseason. There's been a little bit, as you just outlined, but there's also been a lot of loyalty, I would say. And here in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about Rodney Garner's opportunity potentially to go back to Auburn and he's staying at Tennessee. So that uh, I think shows coaches looking at Josh Heupel and what he's done, what he's building still at Tennessee as something to invest in. It helps that Tennessee can pay. I mean, Tennessee can pay coaches more than a lot of schools out there. So that is something to remember. Doesn't mean that Tennessee's going to hold on to every coach either. We're talking about some guys leaving. Jerry Max going to the NFL, though. So that's a little bit different. Alex Golish went to become a head coach. It's a no-brainer decision, I would say, on his part. Also, Josh Heupel's been loyal to his coaches. He's promoted from within so far with the previous hires. Uh, there were questions about Willie Martinez. Would he stay? And Josh Heupel has been loyal to Willie Martinez, coaching in the secondary with Tennessee. So I think that goes both ways, but uh, the the coaching staff has shown us they believe in what Tennessee is doing. Mike Eckler is a guy that's bounced around a bunch, not since he got to Tennessee. Yeah, that's a good point. He's been kind of all over the place, um, special teams coordinator for Tennessee and, of course, helps Rodney Gardner out on the defensive line. Uh, let's shift gears to basketball now. Obviously not a very good showing uh, for Tennessee on the road at Texas A&M over the weekend. Uh, again, losses in college basketball happen, especially on the road. I mean, look at what Auburn did at Florida over the weekend as well. My biggest concern is you just got boat raced. I mean, you looked awful. Mm -hmm. um, and a Tennessee team to this caliber should never look like that, in my opinion. Where where are you on the loss at A&M and what Tennessee needs to do to respond tonight at Arkansas? It was a bad look. It looked like a no-show from Tennessee. Yeah. From the start to the finish, it was all Texas A&M. Tennessee tried some kind of rally in the second half, but it wasn't much of one. And Texas A&M's lead was really never in doubt. So that has to be frustrating for Tennessee fans, a team that had just gone to Kentucky the week before and put up more than 100 points and is in a race for the SEC championship to have that kind of showing against a team that's solid but not anything that should scare a team going in, it was a it was a bad showing. It is college basketball. You mentioned the Auburn performance at Florida. That was terrible. Monday night, Kansas had a terrible performance against Texas Tech, which I would also say is probably better than Texas A&M. But let's see how Tennessee responds. I don't, I don't think Tennessee can really afford to lose any of the games leading up to the Final Four because that Final Four stretch is going to be so difficult. Tennessee needs to take care of this Arkansas game. Obviously, in Vandy and Missouri, there's no way Tennessee should lose 
either of those games. And then a rematch with Texas A&M at home, got to protect your home court, got to win that one. Can't get swept by Texas A&M if you're trying to win an SEC championship. So each individual game, I do think we have to say you can't overreact. Just like I would say that about the Kentucky win. Like That was very exciting. It was only one win against a team that can't play defense. So uh, let's see how Tennessee responds. Everything is still on the table for Tennessee, but the Vols are making some things harder for themselves. You got Don Connect. You you got Zakai Ziegler playing out of his mind. For Tennessee to win games deep in a tournament run, I mean, you, you got to get something on a consistent level from Josiah and from Santiago Vescovi on the offensive end. I mean, it doesn't have to be 20-point scores every game. You don't have to, have to have Josiah going off like he did against Kentucky. But to me, it feels like, I mean, you just got to give them something. For the most part, especially in SEC play, Santiago and, and Josiah really have just kind of been no-shows on the offensive end. And that's not necessarily a winning formula for me because that's putting everything on Dalton Connect. That's putting a whole lot on Sakazi, not only to get his 9-10 assists, which he's been doing here of late, but also to score you, you know, 15, 16 points. For Tennessee to accomplish its goals, one of the two veterans have got to be better on the offensive end, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, they need consistent shot making from Vescovy, who's not taking a ton. His shot volume has dropped dramatically from where yeah. he was at Tennessee. Josiah is a guy that I've always loved his ability to get to the basket, draw contact, get to the free throw line. He just has not done that often enough uh, for my liking. Uh, he, he can hit outside shots. I don't know how much trust there's going to be that that's going to happen consistently. Is that going to happen three or four straight games in the postseason? That might be a big ask. We know we're going to get defense from those guys, and that that still matters. The other guy that I would throw into this conversation is Jonas Adu. Early in SEC play, there was a lot of excitement about what he could do. I think Jonas Adu in uh, ball screen situations where he can go to the basket, he can uh, show some range uh, by popping out and hitting a jump shot. He needs to be more involved, more aggressive, and better. He needs to be better around the rim. Uh, the South Carolina game was a frustrating one. So uh, Jonas Adu to me, is really important for Tennessee to be at its best offensively as well because of the way he can play off Dalton Connect and Zakai Ziegler when they have the ball in their hands. If I would have told you, I know it didn't happen, but if I would have told you on Sunday morning that Jawan Jennings was going to be the Super Bowl MVP, <laughs> I mean, you you would you would have said that I'm, I'm I'm crazy, right? I mean, what a performance there from Jawan Jennings again. San Francisco yeah. couldn't hold on, but he threw a touchdown. He caught a touchdown. He was, you know, big players make big plays on the big stage, and that's what Jawan Jennings did for a guy that is not a heavily used wide receiver. He's never going to have the numbers. But, man, did he come up big in that Super Bowl in a losing effort, whereas Trey Smith back-to-back -back wins in Super Bowl for uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, both of those guys are great stories uh, yeah. with their background, what they've had to overcome. They're, they're different type stories, but what they've had to overcome to get to this kind of position, both went later in the draft than they should have based on how they've produced as players in the NFL. Both guys are going to be second contract guys. That tells me that they, they went too late. I, I know why they did uh, at the time, but to Jawan, of course I wouldn't have thought he'd be Super Bowl MVP. It was kind of wild to me how many different people I saw. I, I had a friend text me, hey, I've got this uh, bet on Jawan to be Super Bowl MVP after he threw the touchdown. And even then, I was like, well, he's not going to be the MVP. That was great. But then he catches the touchdown in a lower-scoring game, and he was right there in position to get it done. But uh, seeing other Tennessee fans that had done it, you know what that says to me? Fans love Jawan Jennings. They, yeah. They're willing to, to most likely – throw a few dollars away 
just for the hope, just for the idea of pulling for the guy that they love so much when he was at Tennessee. I know 49ers fans love him. If he goes back to San Francisco or goes somewhere else, that fan base is going to love him. Coaches are going to love him. Uh, they, you know, He made the plays to score a touchdown, to throw one. His play in overtime where he draws contact to extend the drive, getting the hold of McDuffie, it's an incredible play. He's, he's a terrific blocker. It's not just when he runs a guy into the cooler on the sideline. It's, it's when he's able to help seal an edge and get McCaffrey out on the side. He does what coaches expect of him and more. And when you're a seventh rounder that earns a third and Jawan kind of nickname, that tells you all you need to know about the work that's been put in for him to succeed in an offense where they have Debo, Brandon Ayuk, McCaffrey, and Kittle. Jawan is so often trusted. Out the door, Josh, give me a one player's name. So we practiced about a month away. Give me one Tennessee football player's name where it is now or never in terms of are you going to help this team? Are you going to be a guy or are you going to be a non-factor? Give me one name there and tell me what's coming up on Josh and Swain the rest of the week. Uh, one guy is it now or never. Uh, I mean, he's going to have an opportunity. I'll say Andre Turrentine. That was my player. number one. That was my number one thought as well. Okay. Say, so, hey, look at us uh, <laughs> teaming up on this one. So, who would have thought? Uh, yeah, Andre Turrentine because there's a chance to help and play and start at safety. They need somebody to emerge there. There's youth coming in to the secondary and second year guys coming back, but there's far less experience than we talked about a year ago because of all the guys that departed last year in the secondary. So Andre Turrentine is the first one that comes to mind. Um, to find an offensive guy, if you want me to throw one out there. Um, I mean, let's see. Uh, Dante Thornton. You know, he, he gets another shot here, but now he has more competition. I don't think a spot's just going to be handed to him. And if he doesn't earn it, he will get passed up by either players coming in, like a transfer in Chris Brazel, freshmen that are on campus, or those other guys that had a chance to play more last season. Josh, appreciate it as always, man. We'll look forward to your Josh and Twain newsletter in our inbox on Friday morning. And, of course, you can subscribe for free to that newsletter in the show notes uh, for this episode. And we'll listen to you and uh, Jason Swain on 99.1 The Sports Animal, noon to 3 every weekday. You got it. Thanks a lot, Eric. All right, that is Josh Ward, again, co-host of Josh and Swain, 99.1 The Sports Animal, former Lockdown Vols host. Every single Wednesday, we call it Ward Wednesday. Been a fun show today. Of course, Tennessee is at Arkansas late, late, late tonight. So I uh, put a uh, pot of coffee out there for you if you want to watch the volunteers tonight. Tennessee wrapped up courts in Greenville, Tennessee on Tuesday morning. And of course, the Now or Never segment. That's always fun. And uh, we, we got Josh's thoughts uh, here at the tail end of his interview. We'll come back. We'll recap everything that was Tennessee and Arkansas on tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll talk more Tennessee football and the latest in the NCAA investigation. All that and more as you listen and watch for free. It's Locked on Balls. <laughs>